The House managers have the floor if they wish to resume. House managers. Mr. President. House manager. Esteemed senators, good afternoon. We are grateful for your kind attention this week as we engaged in a process formulated and put to paper by the founders in my home city of Philadelphia, which is getting its fair share of attention this week, in 1787, 234 years ago. My colleague, Mr. Cicilline, addressed the importance of the President's dereliction of duty. I will focus on three specific aspects of this case, which the defense have raised questions about. First, the defense suggests that this was just one speech, and one speech cannot incite insurrection. And the defense suggested, because the attack was pre-planned by some insurrectionists, Donald Trump is somehow not culpable. Both of these things are plainly not true, nor are they what we allege. So let's be clear. We are not suggesting that Donald Trump's January 6th speech by itself incited the attack. We have shown that his course of conduct leading up to and including that speech incited the attack. The defense is correct that the insurrection was pre-planned. That supports our point. We argued, and the evidence overwhelmingly confirms, that Donald Trump's conduct over many months incited his supporters to believe, one, his big lie, that the only way he could lose was if the election was rigged. Two, that to ensure the election would not be stolen, to prevent the fraud, they had to stop the steal. And three, they had to fight to stop the steal or they would not have a country anymore. This conduct took time and it culminated in Donald Trump sending a save the date on December the 19th, 18 days before the attack, telling his base exactly when, where, and who to fight. And while he was doing this, he spent $50 million from his legal defense fund to simultaneously broadcast his message to stop the steal over all major networks. Donald Trump invited them, he incited them, then he directed them. Here are a few clips that will help bring that story to light. Can you give a direct answer? You will accept the election? I have to see. Look, you, I have to see. Oh, I'm not going to just say yes. And this election will be the most rigged election in history. This is going to be the greatest election disaster in history. And the only way they can take this election away from us is if this is a rigged election. We're going to win this election. It's a rigged election. It's the only way we're going to lose. Do you commit to making sure that there's a peaceful transfer of power? We want to have get rid of the ballots and you'll have a very transfer. We'll have a very peaceful. There won't be a transfer, frankly. There'll be a continuation. It's the only way we're going to. That's the only way we're going to lose is if there's mischief. Mischief. And it'll have to be on a big scale. So be careful. But this will be one of the greatest fraudulent, most fraudulent elections ever. We're not going to let this election be taken away from us. That's the only way they're going to win it. 
This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. We were winning in all the key locations by a lot, actually. And then our numbers started miraculously getting whittled away in secret. And this is a case where they're trying to steal an election. They're trying to rig an election. And we can't let that happen. You can't let another person steal that election from you. All over the country, people are together in holding up signs. Stop the steal. If we don't root out the fraud, the tremendous and horrible fraud that's taken place in our 2020 election, we don't have a country anymore. We cannot allow a completely fraudulent election to stand. We're going to fight like hell, I'll tell you right now. If you don't fight to save your country with everything you have, you're not going to have a country left. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never back down. We will never, ever surrender. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. And to use a favorite term that all of you people really came up with, we will stop the steal. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Make no mistake, this election was stolen from you, from me, and from the country, and we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Our point is this. This was not one speech. This was a deliberate, purposeful effort by Donald Trump over many months that resulted in the well-organized mob's attack on January the 6th. That brings me to my second point, the violence. Defense counsel argues that there is no way that Donald Trump could have known what would happen. Yet, we are not suggesting, nor is it necessary for us to prove that Donald Trump knew every detail of what would unfold on January the 6th, or even how horrible and deadly the attack would become. But he did know. As he looked out on that sea of thousands in front of him, some wearing body armor and helmets, others carrying weapons, that the result would be violence. The evidence is overwhelming. The evidence overwhelmingly demonstrates this. A few points on this. Donald Trump knew the people he was inciting leading up to January the 6th. He saw the violence they were capable of. He had a pattern and practice of praising and encouraging supporters of violence, never condemning it. It is not a coincidence that those same people, the Proud Boys, the organizer of the Trump caravan, the supporters and speakers at the Second Million MAGA March, all showed up on January the 6th. And Donald Trump's behavior was different this was not just an, a comment by an official or a politician fighting for a cause. This was months of cultivating a base of people who were violent, praising that violence, and then leading them, leading that violence, that rage, straight to a joint session of Congress where he knew his vice president was presiding. 
and Donald Trump had warnings about the crowd in front of him on January 6th. There were detailed posts online of attack plans. Law enforcement warned that these posts were real threats and even made arrests in the days leading up to the attack. There were credible reports that many would be armed and ready to attack the Capitol. Despite these credible warnings of serious dangerous threats to our Capitol, when the crowd was standing in front of the President, ready to take orders and attack, he said, we're going to the Capitol and we fight, we fight like hell, and if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Here's a short clip. What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacists and white like supremacists and right boys. White supremacists and right proud boys. Proud boys. Stand back and stand by. Welcome to the It is something. You see the way our people, they, you know, they were protecting his bus yesterday because they're nice. So his bus, they had hundreds of cars. Trump, Trump, Trump and the American flag. That's it. You see Trump and American flag. And the first million MAGA march, we promised that if the GOP would not do everything in their power to keep Trump in office, then we would destroy the GOP. Yeah! And as we gather here at Washington, D.C. for a second million MAGA march, we're done making promises. It has to happen now. We are going to destroy the GOP. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Senators, the violence on January the 6th was demonstrably foreseeable. Trump even said so himself at 6.01 p.m. the day of the attack, the last thing he said before he went to sleep. Quote, these are the things that happened, that happened, end quote. He foresaw this and he admitted as much. That brings me to my final point, the insurrectionists. Defense counsel has suggested these people came here on their own. The defense brief states that the insurrectionists, quote, did so for their own accord and for their own reasons and are being criminally prosecuted. It is true that some insurrectionists are being prosecuted, but it is not true that they did so of their own accord and for their own reasons. The evidence makes clear the exact opposite, that they did this for Donald Trump at his invitation, at his direction, at his command. They said this before the attack, during the attack. They said it after the attack. Leading up to January the 6th, in post after post, the president's supporters confirmed this was for Donald Trump. It was at his direction. One supporter wrote, and I quote, if Congress illegally certifies Biden, Trump would have absolutely no choice but to demand us to storm the Capitol and kill slash beat them up for it. They even say publicly, openly, and proudly that Pro President Trump would help them commandeer the National Guard. So all they have to do is overwhelm 2,000 Capitol Police officers.
During his speech on January the 6th, Trump supporters chanted his words back to him. They even live-tweeted his commands, as Ms. DeGette showed you. During the attack, the insurrectionists at the Capitol chanted Donald Trump's words from his tweets, rallies, and from the, sixth, uh, the speech of the 6th. They held signs that, that said and chanted, fight for Trump, stop the steal. They read his tweets over bullhorns, amplifying his demands. Another rioter, while live-streaming the insurrection from the Capitol, said, quote, he'll be happy. We're fighting for Trump. What's more, the insurrectionists were not hiding. They believed they were following the orders from our commander-in-chief. They felt secure enough in the legitimacy of their actions to take selfies, to post photos and videos on social media. After the attack, rioter after rioter confirmed this too. Jenna Ryan, who was later accused for her role in the insurrection, said, quote, I thought I was following my president. I thought we were following what we were called to do. And President Trump requested that we be in D.C. on the 6th. When it became clear that Donald Trump would not protect them, some of his supporters said they felt duped. They felt tricked. Listen to some of this evidence. And even if they think for a second that they're going to get away with it today, they got another thing coming. Because today is just a day. And today is just the beginning. They haven't seen a resistance until they have seen a patriot fight for their country. You died today. Parties, parties will withhold. This is crooked. The parties will withhold. It is in the record. The evidentiary record is closed. SRS 47 described the scope of those things admitted into evidence as those referenced in trial. New evidence is not permitted in closing argument. References to such new evidence will be stricken. Who yields time? Mr. President, the statement was in evidence, the slide was not, so we will withdraw the slide. But the statement was in evidence. They told you themselves, they were following the President's orders. And you'll see something clearly. Donald Trump knew who these people were. As the slide shows, the people he cultivated, whose violence he praised, were all there on January the 6th. The Proud Boys, who Donald Trump told to stand back and stand by in September of 2020. Keith Lee, organizer of the Trump caravan that tried to drive the Biden campaign bus off the road. Katrina Pearson, the speaker at the second million MAGA march. They were all there. The video you're about to see is uh, in the record. Oh, correction. Uh, the record did ha include appropriately the last video. 
So we will keep that in the record, and I will keep it in my closing remarks. Can we play the next video? Senators will take their seats. The uh, Senate will be in order. Representative may, may continue. Thank you, Mr. President. I have to say that of all the trials I have ever been a part of, this is certainly one of them. <laughs> As the slides show, the people he cultivated, whose violence he praised, were all there on January the 6th. The proud boys who Donald Trump told to stand back and stand by in September of 2020, Keith Lee, the organizer of the Trump caravan that tried to drive the Biden campaign bus off the road, Katrina Pearson, the speaker at the second Million MAGA march, they were all there. Here is one final clip, also submitted in the record. That's what we fucking need to have 30,000 guns on the Senators, some of the insurrectionists are facing criminal charges. Donald Trump was acting as our commander-in-chief. He was our president. He used his office and the authority it commands to incite an attack. And when Congress and the Constitution were under attack, he abandoned his duties, violated his oath, failing to preserve, protect, and defend. That is why we are here, because the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, incited and directed thousands of people to attack the legislative branch. He knew what his supporters were capable of. He inflamed them, sent them down Pennsylvania Avenue, not on any old day, but on the day we were certifying the election results. As they were banging on our doors, he failed to defend us, because this is what he wanted. He wanted to remain in power. For that crime against the Republic, he must be held accountable. Senators, the insurrectionists are still listening. Before I end, I must admit, until we were preparing for this trial, I didn't know the extent of many of these facts. I witnessed the horror, but I didn't know. I didn't know how deliberate the President's planning was, how he had invested in it, how many times he incited his supporters with these lies how carefully and consistently he incited them to violence on January the 6th. While many of us may have tuned out his rallies, I also did not know the extent that his followers were listening, were hanging on his every word. And honestly, I did not know how close the mob actually came to their violent ends, that they were just steps away from all of us that the death toll could have been much higher, but for the bravery of men and women who protected us. But now we know. We know the bravery of people like Officer Goodman and all the men and women of the Capitol Police, of the custodians who with pride and a sense of duty in their work, cleaned up shattered glass, splintered wood, and blood-stained floors. We know the sacrifice of life and limb. We know what Donald Trump did. We know what he failed to do. Though it is difficult to bear witness and face the reality of what happened in these halls, what happens if we don't confront these facts? What happens if there is no accountability? For those who say we need to get past this, we need to come together, we need to unify. If we don't set this right and call it what it was, 
the highest of constitutional crimes by the President of the United States, the past will not be past. The past will become our future for my grandchildren and for their children. Senators, we are in a dialogue with history, a conversation with our past, with a hope for our future. 234 years from now, it may be that no one person here among us is remembered. And yet, what we do here, what is being asked of each of us here in this moment will be remembered. History has found us. I ask that you not look the other way.